We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your True Face Newcastle United podcast. Alex Hurst, Charlotte Robson, Simon Campbell, Norman Riley. Newcastle have been beaten again, beaten badly by Brighton in the defeat everyone expected. But the manner of it, the scale of it, the fallout from it, even we, the most, or some of the most negative people about Steve Bruce and Newcastle United have been shocked and stunned. And we're going to get into it today. We're going to talk about what the hell happened and what happens next and why... Charlotte, I'll start with you first. I think the most damning thing to come out of last night, amongst a long list of damning things, is that it it seems that the players have given up on Steve Bruce. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I, I think it's both true and fair of them to have done so. Um, I think Alex and I were chatting this morning and... I was saying, you know, was looking at the goals and I was saying, is Dubravka at fault? It, it pains me to even think that. But, it, you know, that first goal, should he, should he have got that? And and the issue, well, the answer is maybe, but the issue is like, is, isn't really that. It's that Brighton were allowed this mad amount of space and time and there was no no pressing of them from our players um, for, for all three of their goals and, and and numerous more chances. And it did just look like, yeah, we've we've just sat back. They're not playing for Steve Bruce anymore. They, they, they're listless and, and not engaged with the game at all. And I think that's got to be, that's got to be because they're not playing for the manager, that they're not, you know, you're not engaged with the game. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. And, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about what Steve Bruce said after the match, which, as usual, is incredibly revealing for a number of reasons. But what got me about yesterday is that, Norman, when me and you did the State of Play podcast on Patreon, £5.50 a month, if you're not already a patron, consider it, um, to hear more of this analysis of this lovely football club. Um, we both agreed on Tuesday that there was, you know, without without trying to be condescending, the idea that Newcastle were going to win that game yesterday was a fantasy. You know, it was it was um, it was laughable to think that Newcastle would go to Brighton and win that game, knowing what we know about our manager, about our coaching setup, about the formation, about previous performances against Brighton, about how Brighton play. It pained me to say it, but but we agreed, and I said 
we are simply not going to win this game. It is it is not going to happen. I hate I hate it, but it was the realistic assessment. And I'm not telling you this because to say oh, I was right because I think everyone listening or watching possibly thought the same. Yet, despite that outlook, I was still shocked, still shocked at how bad it was and how bad the performance was. So, so to have those, I wouldn't even call it expectations. They aren't expectations or expectations of of of, of awfulness. And yet to still be watching that game in, in almost disbelief at, at the level of performance, Norman. Um what what was your what was your take in it in terms of your expectations before and after the game? Well, I knew Brighton would dominate the ball. We knew they'd create a lot more chances than us. We knew it was going to be a tough game. But what I thought we might see, given the weight of the game was Newcastle United at least attempting to put pressure on the Brighton players when they attacked. And that wasn't even there. The expectations were minimal. Is it possible to have like um, minus expectations? Like, you know, it's like I've got no expectations, but I've actually got minus expectations because because it doesn't, it doesn't seem strong enough now to say that I've got no expectations when I watch Newcastle United. It's, it goes beyond that. Um, so, the, the, the bare, bare minimum I expected was when Brighton's players had the ball that we would be putting tackles in, hurrying, chasing, harassing, just just basically trying to win the ball back, right? And that didn't even happen. The passivity was truly spectacular. I don't... Right, so when a club's been relegated already um, or when a club is basically not going to finish anywhere lower than... 15th or anywhere higher than 8th, right? So that, that stage of the season where there's literally nothing to play for, you might expect that passivity, right? But we are in a relegation battle. This is the time where the hard tackle should be going in, where the players should be busting their lungs, where the manager should be on the sideline screaming, like is a, is a bare minimum screaming for the effort. None of that happened. And that's what shocked me was the complete and utter lack of application and just... It wasn't even a case of downing tools. They never wanted the pitch with the tools in the hand in the first place. That tools in the hands, bad line. But um, there was there was just there was just nothing. It was it was a case of we were defeated and defeated without putting anything in before we even stepped out on the pitch. And that's what was really bad about it. And I'm going to just quickly bring in a Bruce comment. Apologies, everyone, for maybe dragging this point out. But I just need to bring this Bruce um, quote in quickly. I was absolutely shocked at basically Brighton being that far in front of us in every department tonight. Their tactics were very decent. They caught us out in that respect. You must be the only person who was surprised by Brighton's tactics because anyone anyone who who's watched Brighton, even on Match of the Day, for the 10-minute spell you get on Match of the Day, would have realised how they play. We didn't. And... I cannot get my head around the fact that basically we're, we're in a situation now. We've gone through the looking glass yeah. by the way. Completely the looking glass, right? Anybody who has played football manager over the past couple of years, I genuinely believe would have had a better grasp on Brighton's tactics than Steve Bruce had last night. That is, for me, just truly spectacular. Yeah, I, I know, Alex, that you want to come in. But the thing about this shock at, our, at Brighton's tactics is mental to me because Brighton beat us 3-0 already this season with this the same the same basic setup like this it shouldn't you don't even need to have watched Brighton play other teams you just need to have watched 
Brighton play us already this season. I just, I don't know. I think it's just um, astonishing. It's and it's such an admission of 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 complete um, ineptitude in your role, isn't it? Like you're shocked at the opposition. You should be looking at that. I don't know. I'm just. It's awful. It's awful. I'm pleased you brought up the the manager there and what you expected to see from the sidelines. Because what, what, what I noticed, and, and, and I saw some people on Twitter as well notice, is that when the players go over to the sidelines, there's literally three or four coaches talking over each other, giving out instructions. That's not normal. That's not, that's not you know, to see other managers in the Premier League having conferences with, like, loads of different coaches talking over each other. I think someone pointed out at one point, um, Ryan Fraser was talking to Bruce and Jones, and they were both talking to him at the same time like what the fuck's going on it doesn't it doesn't make any sense and in in addition in addition why 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 as a manager would you allow that to happen what surely you're the one it's your job you're the manager to impart instructions to the players but the wider point here is what the fuck were they saying because we were shite before the instructions we were shite after the instructions what the fuck were they saying? We seemed to change formation at the end of the first half. Very briefly, Joe Linton went through the middle and we came back out in the second half and he was back out wide. Like, to break it down, and I appreciate it's not the most important thing about the game, they must have re- realised, right, this has been a complete disaster. This has been an absolute farce. We'll make this small tactical change for about 90 seconds. We'll conceded the goal. And then at, then at half time, someone must have said, can we go back the way it was? And it's like... <laughs> You know how how often we've t- ever talked about Bruce refusing to change formation. I'm going to talk about the formation later in the show. Like, how the hell did we manage to stick to that formation until the end of the game? Like, like it's it's almost like a dogmatic. Lo- I don't know what the right word is, but it's like the the fact that they're unwilling to 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 countenance trying something different because we played well for 20 minutes against Wolves. Had a good game against Everton, who can't stop losing to shit teams at home. Had a had a nice fifteen minutes against Crystal Palace. Like we're getting, we're gonna get relegated, lads. We're, like this is not you, Charlotte. I mean the the players and the coaching staff. Um, we're gonna get relegated, and and and, and you and you persist with Joe Linton. It's not Joe, it's not Joe Linton's fault. We lost last night, but 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 he is the apart from Almiron, who's rushed back from injury. Joe Linton is the player who is going to have to score. Shelby's not going to score. Hayden's not going to score. Hendrick's not going to score. Uh, Fraser's not going to score. So, so you're relying on Joe Linton. How many shots did he have last night? Zero. How many touches in the opposition penalty area? One. How many times did he lose possession? 15. It's almost impossible to win a game. It's almost impossible to win a game with, with Jeff Hendrick and Joe Linton in your side. And we've said it before. I don't know how, I don't know how you think the opposition are going to relent to these players, how they're going to be negatively impacted by them. Norman? Just quickly, he said after the match, we've worked tirelessly, 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 yeah, tirelessly, um, on how we're going to play against Brighton. Now, what what were you doing then? How? In, in what way? What was... What was that tireless effort that was put in? Because, I mean, based on that comment alone, you, you must realise that, well, actually, I put everything, I put my heart and soul into it, and this is what I've come up with. I need to walk away because I'm clearly not good enough. Um, I, I just think that's 
I just think that's an outright lie. I don't think they have worked tirelessly. tirelessly. God, I can't say it. Um, on how we're going to play against Brighton, I just don't. I just genuinely don't think um, that's happened because there was zero evidence of it last night. And and then to add to say that, but then to also admit that you were caught out and surprised by Brighton, it's massively contradictory, right? I think it's just an outright lie, Norman. He's just lying as he does every week uh, when he's trying to explain what's what's happened and he hasn't got an answer. He just comes out with utter utter dribble. Um, I do believe that um, he had um, a plan. Uh, and what I mean by that is that he's decided or Jones has decided or they've decided this is what we're going to do. Right down to the substitutions because, and I'm sure we'll come up to it, but the, the long staff for Almiron substitution made absolutely no sense whatsoever given what was happening in the match. I feel like that was a prearranged substitution. Right, Almiron's going to get 60, 70 minutes. Then we're going to put long staff on for him. I don't think... There was any, I think that was what the plan was before the game. And I don't think there was any adjusting of the plan, which has obviously been shown to be a horseshit plan. But I think that's the problem with Bruce. I think he's, and it's been evident the last few weeks, he comes into a match with a kind of idea of how he wants it to go and when he's going to make a subs and this is what's going to happen. Um, and when the game doesn't go as he's expecting it, he just sort of stands there looking really sad on the sidelines. And it's that, that's my biggest concern is that. Well, we, we've talked about it for nearly two years now. No in-game management, but I think worse, the pre-game management gets set and then that's it. And if it goes badly, it goes badly and we're unlucky. The the beauty of playing Newcastle generally, but playing this formation, is that you you know if you want to get the ball wide, if you want to if you want to tell your forwards to peel off onto a fullback those fullbacks are going to be completely isolated. You can move the centre-backs out of position. You can almost move any defensive shape that we think we're going to have. You can disrupt that incredibly easily for two reasons, or three reasons. One, we're bad and badly coached. That's the main one. But number two is you you, you know Newcastle are going to play this formation for 90 minutes. So in terms of what you're saying, so I think it's interesting that even if Newcastle start a game well, and we've seen that against Wolves, start the game well, um, against Palace, starting the game well. Like you said, sign in the comments here, Palace doesn't count. It did not happen, according to Steve Bruce. Didn't happen. Don't don't kid yourselves. Um, and you can react to that because you know Newcastle are going to stick with the same formation. You know their fullbacks are weak. You know the struggle to get a foothold in midfield. You know that if you isolate John Joe Shelby, there's pretty much no one else who can even pass the ball forward in the team, and he doesn't do that particularly well. The thing last night is Brighton clearly targeted our fullbacks. How many times have we done this fucking podcast and talked about the weakness of Newcastle's fullbacks? Where did Brighton first two goals come from last night? I can't even remember the third goal. Don't, even, don't know what happened. Can't, can't remember it. Not interested. Both times, you know, forward players picking the ball up out wide and, and capitalising on the complete lack of understanding between um, John Joe Shelby, who's, who, who I remind you is playing as a holding midfielder at the base of a diamond, providing zero defensive cover. Isaac Hayden, when he was playing before he was injured, playing on the left side, the left side of midfield. Uh, and, and Joe Willock playing on the right side of midfield. Like, like Brighton won that game before kickoff with that plan. They didn't even have to execute it particularly well. The dominators down the flanks, they were continually in behind, particularly even though the goals came from the other side. They were particularly down our left side between Paul Dummett and Kieran Clark. And just to agree with you further, side, it's like... They, we had a plan. I think our plan before that game was to be compact and to sit deep. You know, kind of maybe to, to what you were saying, Charlotte, the, the time we played them before were wide open at St. James's Park. They played through the lines ridiculously easily and there was no pressure on them. The issue that, the issue that we had here is that 
uh, St. James's Park, Brighton went through the middle of the pitch. So, so we're trying to consolidate through the middle of the pitch. But because we've changed formation, well, we're completely exposed out wide. And it's like Brighton, Graham Potter goes before the game, right? Go out wide. You drive through the middle and, and play the ball out wide. There will always be a spare man. And there will always be a willing runner. And there were at no point during the whole game, even though I could have predicted that was going to happen, and everyone listening probably could have predicted that was going to happen. At no point does he think, go to a flat midfield four and, and just protect your fullbacks. Try and see out this next five, ten minutes, lads. Try and get the half time. Or after or after half time, keep keep it keep it tight for the first 15 minutes. Do not let them retrieve possession in wide areas and move into the middle of the pitch. If if a player tries to move into the middle of the pitch, double up on them, foul them. Something like that, and instead, all you saw was was the same of what came before half time, and that's that's the scary thing. That sat watching it at home, everyone's on Twitter kicking off, pointing out these things. Yet the the very well paid people who are paid to see these things and stop them, it it's just ridiculous to suggest, but it almost seems like they they just don't know what they're watching. Like you say, Sai, they've got a plan pregame, and if that doesn't work, it's just on to the next one, Norman. 100% that. The reality is last night, it was evident within the first, I think, first three minutes of the match, what was happening. Brighton created two massive chances in the first three minutes of the game. And this has been a problem from day one, hasn't it? You look through the Premier League now, probably the championship to a certain extent, at least the, the kind of better teams in the championship. And almost every match needs to be approached, unless you're obviously someone like Man City, right? where you can stick to one style of play because you've just got world-class players and you're going to win more, more or less. You're more than likely going to win. But most sides where you are facing an opponent who who can pretty much change what they're doing like on the whim of the manager on the sideline, they're so well-drilled. There are so many systems that they work through. The players are so technically um, gifted in many, in many respects that a manager can look at a game after two or three minutes and go, right, bang, I need to change it, I need to change it now. Those instructions will be delivered and the team can adapt there and then. We cannot and have not been able to do that at all under Steve Bruce. And this is the issue. Last night, it was evident from the third minute, it was evident within three minutes what was going wrong and nothing changed over the whole game because there is a complete and utter lack of technical intelligence amongst the coaching, coaching staff. It's it's almost like we, you can, you can with with us you can more or less tell within the first five minutes of a match if we're going to get something. And last night was one of those occasions where after three minutes you're like, that's it, we're done. Like and, and that's that is a madness, right? I mean that is a madness. This is the Premier League where people are being paid millions of pounds and the players are being paid loads of money. They've got the capacity to learn, but we have got a coaching staff and a manager who have not got the capacity or the belief to instill in them what they need to to be able to, to basically just be able to adapt to the game that they're playing in. It's incredible. Yeah, I totally agree. And I also think that ties back into the players just kind of not not playing for the manager either. Like, I think I think if you know that the manager has, no, and the coaching staff have no sort of tactical in-game ability to read what's going on and make changes, and you know that there's not really another plan, you haven't practiced another plan you haven't been drilled on another um way of playing then of course you're just gonna slowly but surely basically give up like you're just gonna put in you're gonna turn up but that's that's basically all that happened last night i think and 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 it and it, ha it has such an effect i think this this lack of um lack of 
preparation for any kind of eventuality on the on the actual players you can see how many players have regressed under Steve Bruce and this coaching staff I think there's the we've talked about Mankiw being probably the only one who's who's managed to sort of you know not regress I don't know if he's got better but he's not regressed and and so many players who were so you know exciting um not last season maybe last season but have regressed um and and I think that totally ties into what you're saying there, Norman. It's just it's just as 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 you realise as a player, as you realise that the coaching staff really just don't know what's going on or or have a plan, then then why would you remain engaged with it? I just I wouldn't. We we talk about um, the the dinosaur nature of Steve Bruce's approach being you know what what used to work in maybe like 2005, if I'm being generous, of, of just trying to stay in the game. Keep it nil nil, keep it one nil, and you might be able to nick something. But what's missing from that is any plan to to do the nicking, you know. So even at nil nil, one nil, maybe towards the end of the half, you should be having a little bit of a go. Start the second half, you should be having a little go. See if you can nick something. We went through this with Pardew for years, and his he did a lot of keeping us in the game. But we did occasionally have a bit of a go, and, and we were able to nick points, which is why largely under Pardew we managed to avoid relegation scraps. Um, it, did, it worked enough times that we, we got the points in those games. With Bruce, it's like nil-nil. All right, all right. Not going to change anything. It's nil-nil. Even um, even with uh, an injury, we'll just we'll just kind of we'll just we'll just hang on. Um, second half, all right. Well, it's only one-nil. Um, we'll we'll just hang on, see how it goes. We could could still get a point. And then once it's two-nil, you're done. You're dead and buried because how do you come back from there when your approach has been kind of hang on in there and see if you can nick something? Um, it did happen with Pardew as well. You know, if we went two-nil down in those games, we would end up losing three or four-nil quite a lot. But at least with and that's only what six, seven years ago. We were, we were able to nick games in that way. I think that's what what Bruce is trying to do. If I'm trying to make sense of what's going on, he just has zero understanding of how to do that that nicking. As I've said, how to how to actually get something from the game. If that's your approach, which is just baffling. What what I find interesting to in relation to the points that you've just made, Charlotte and Sai about the players is. If you're Andy Carroll, okay, and and he's relevant because the last time we played Brighton, we played the formation style we did because Bruce famously said it would be unfair to drop Carroll because he won some headers against West Ham the previous week. Um, if you're Andy Carroll, so you're a senior member of this squad, you're a, you're a you're a local lad, played for Liverpool, he's played with some good players of the game, he's played with Coutinho, he's played with Suarez. If if you're a young player in Newcastle. Uh, or you're just a, just a player in Newcastle, you probably respect him somewhat. You know his legs have gone or whatever, but you probably respect him. Andy Carroll cannot play in this team. He, he cannot play in this formation. And you see that because he has not been introduced at any point since when did uh, Jones come in? Start of January? Around, around the start of January, mid-January? We're getting on for April now. No, it, um, it was it was late January because, do you remember, it was the one and only big signing and we... It was really late in the window. Sorry. Okay, so best case, three months. If you're Andy Carroll, and to an extent, Dwight Gale, um, Newcastle have won two of the last nine games. They've won two of the last 20 overall. They've collected 11 points from the last 54 available. Um, and you you cannot play in this formation. It would be ridiculous to see Andy Carroll playing on the wing. It's as ridiculous almost as Dwight Gale, but more ridiculous. Um so you've got your two strikers in the squad. I'm trying to think of the the impact on morale that must have 
for a professional and for the other players to, to know that you're taking substitutes who simply cannot influence the game. They can't, you can't bring them on the pitch. Joe Linton, it's Joe Linton or Jacob Murphy. Imagine doing this podcast at the start of the season and thinking who your attacking threat's going to be today. Well, it won't be Wilson, it won't be Gale, it won't be Muta, who was still here for a bit. It won't be Carroll. It'll be Joe Linton or Jacob Murphy. And I just, just want to return to this point that it, it's like a, it's the most self-inflicted thing I've ever seen at any football club ever, what Newcastle United are doing right now. And, and we talked about it early in the season. I said, Newcastle playing, I think it was two wins in 25 by the time he ditched the 5-4-1 formation. It wasn't because we played three centre-backs that Newcastle were shit, but it was a large contributing factor. I feel like right now with this formation and the fact that we could have gone there last night uh, and played 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1 or played Joe Linton through the middle or, so, or, or something different. But instead, we've went there and we've got we've lost a game that everyone knew we were going to lose. And I thought one of you, possibly you, Simon, in the show made a great point. And Norman, you made the point that it looked like a you know we, we were a mid-table team with the season over. You can just you can just see that no one on that pitch, from goalkeeper to centre forward to coach and staff to substitutes to supporters, no one thinks it's working. No one has any confidence or expectations. That, that we are playing well and we are a good side. And then the contrast, because I want to bring you, Norman, in to what Bruce says after the game. Like it's it's just gotta be it's just gotta be an awful place to work. It's gotta be like, you know, you you're going into work every day as a footballer here, knowing what you're training for, if you're even at training, um is is gonna work. I just I've I've never seen the like of it before at a football team where the where the, the pain and the harm is so self-inflicted through team selection and formation. Absolutely. It's it must just be so demoralizing every single day on the training ground. The it, it it's almost I know it's an easy phrase to, to use, but it is. It's like a, it, it is a zombie, it's like a shell of a team. There is, you know, that like there's there's oxygen, but there's like literally nothing else. It's just this surviving kind of mess and and, and it's just wait, it's almost like it's waiting to die. It's really um it's almost I'm almost in disbelief when I'm when I'm seeing it at times because I can't believe how how, how rapidly it, it's come around and, and how I guess how almost humiliating it must be for the players, right? Like it, it must be quite humiliating at the moment to to basically have the piss taken out of you because that's what's happening, right? I mean, Brighton yesterday took the piss. Didn't it? It was it was a it was an absolute walk and walk in the park. Um, you could see players like Trossard, Basuma. I mean, look, uh, um, let's let's mention Basuma here right now. This is the first thing within five minutes. John Joe Shelby up against Basuma. Right, Basuma is lit. He's, he's swatting him off like an annoying mosquito. It's, it's just like go away and there's there's absolutely nothing there. And you and you can see this immediately. And immediately you're thinking, right, Shelby's out of the game completely. He's already out of the game after five minutes. Something needs to change. It won't change. Shelby's on the pitch, huffing and puffing. Like, what, there's going to be there's going to be no no confidence in there. Willick Willick is completely and utterly devoid of, of all that confidence they arrive with. It's gone. He was taken off after 60 minutes yesterday. He was totally and utterly uninvolved in the game. Um, so on on the training, like Fraser comes out and says the atmosphere and the dressing room is horrible. He used those words, horrible. Um, and and I genuinely think that that place when they go back into training, whenever Steve deems it necessary for them to do some training, um. It's gonna be it's gonna be a really low energy um 
training ground. And you know that you know what makes it even worse is that it's almost like if players were falling out with each other and getting angry with each other, at least that would suggest there's some form of desire there. But it, but it's gone beyond that. It's gone to a, a kind of an almost like ambivalence. There's just, there's just like yeah, well, we're done. We're absolutely done. And that that's worse. That's worse than Matt Ritchie kicking off with everyone. That's worse than Jamal Lascelles shouting after he did, you know, against Everton in 2016. No one fucking cares. We don't have any of that anymore. It's almost like there's just nothing there. And um, and that, that, that the, the blame for that lies squarely at the, the feet of the manager. Um, sorry, Sai, I know you wanted to come in. I've got the loads to see on Bruce's comments, so bring me in when you're ready for that. <laughs> no, listen, um, it's 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 about exactly that. So remember, um, this is probably more Alex as well. Uh, remember when Benitez was manager in the championship, and we were lucky enough to go in and, and have a chat with him and have a little wander on the training ground, and the the atmosphere in the club was as positive as I could ever have believed. You know. All the playing staff, all the non-playing staff, everyone's just buzzing. There's a uh, there's joking around in the corridors. Everyone's happy, and the noises coming from the club at the time uh, via kind of whoever was their, their media team and whoever we were speaking to at the time was that they, they get it. Ashley gets it now. Charlie gets it now. That having like a proper manager who manages the whole club is entirely. It's the impact it's having, and everyone's happy, and it's it's a really good place to work now. And they get it, and they now understand why um, having a world class football manager. Is, is so important and they, that's the model they're going to follow going forward. How did we get from that to where we are now? It makes me just think like when, when they ended up with Steve Bruce, how does that, does that happen? Was it because there was no one else willing to take the job? Was he really their kind of 11th choice or whatever the rumor is? Did they try better people or have they been duped as well by Steve Bruce's kind of nice guy persona that, that is portrayed by, you know, the, the, the media in that they don't actually know anything about football or know any one important in football. So they've just gone with what people are saying generally. So as Bruce duped them as well, and they thought, well, he's a nice guy. You'll have a good atmosphere, a good kind of effect on the, on what had become quite a toxic club at the time. Maybe that's what they were thinking, but I, I bet they never foresaw how much more toxic it could get with this guy, the happy, nice Steve Bruce, they thought they were getting like, they're probably just thinking, how, how has this happened? But or was it all just bullshit? You know, did they did they just say all that when actually they they weren't really enjoying Benitez running the show and this is this is much more preferable? I I can't get my head around it, but just like the contrast of how buzzing and positive, you know, with the flags, we had quizzes and we had Legends Day. There was loads of stuff going on, and the club was a happy place for everyone involved. Look at it now. I, I just can't understand how they think this is better than 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 that. Really quick one: the first time I went to see Rafa Sayed, you weren't there. Um, well, he was giving give me a tour of the training ground where the players were in the showers, and there was a load of like exaggerated screams coming from the showers, <laughs> and a load of laughter. And and me and the other people with Rafa just turned to him and said, uh, "I'll not do his accent." He just said, "They are whipping each other with the towels." Don't <laughs> 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 but um Back to the the horror show um, that we have to comprehend at the minute, Norman. Why don't you talk a little bit more about about Bruce's analysis of the game? Right, forgive me. This may look um, like I'm reading off a piece of paper because I am reading off a piece of paper because I want to get it right verbatim. Um, so this is this is the post match. I'll take full responsibility. We were nowhere near the levels we need to be. That's a concern. Well, you're not taking full responsibility, are you? Because if you were, then you'd hand in your resignation. Simple as that. Um, I've been in the game for a long time. 
It's very difficult. We're still confident we can get out of the situation. I'll never give up the fight. I've been around the block many times. You don't do 980-odd games with that experience. I have tried to draw on it in the last few weeks in particular. Right. This is the thing. Spending a long time in the game means nothing, right? The example I've come up with here, Keith Curl, right? He's been managing for 19 years. He's never been above League One, right? But by the logic of the fact that he's managed for 19 years and managed a lot of games, he should be fine managing a club in the Premier League because he's been managing for a long time. That's, that's the logic, right? Um, and in terms of, uh, I'll never give up the fight. Like he's lost the fight. Like if this was a boxing match, the ref would have stopped it. Um, where, where's the, where, where's this, this, you know, I'm confident. Where, where's the confidence coming from? It's, it's two wins in 20. Three, and uh, I mean, obviously, I forget the, the three-game unbeaten run, the glorious three-game unbeaten run uh, where we got three draws. Um, it, you know, it, it, is, it, is the confidence coming from the Premier League rate at 28%? He's 28% win rate in the Premier League, or is it the 50% losses and the minus 200 goal difference in over 400 games? Is that where the confidence has come from? Um, and, and also, the, just to tie back to last night's game, this is the logic, right? And, and this is probably still part of the logic. Bruce was surprised by Brighton because what he did, what, what this is, I'm, I'm not saying what he did, I don't know what, exactly what he did, but I'm, 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 you know, I'm surmising, I'm guessing, yeah, right? He looked at the table and thought, well, they're only one, they're one point ahead of us. It's all about the accumulation of points. They're one point ahead of us, so they can't be that much better than us. That, that, that to me, looks like what literally happened. The complete shock of how much better Brighton were came as a shock because if you look at the table, only one point ahead of us, right? That, that's, that's the fr frightening thing. Um, and I'll do I'll do one more because because uh, it's fun, right? Uh, well, for me it isn't anyway. It's probably not anyone else. Um, as I've always said, that's this is talking about you know getting questioned on whether or not he's going to get sacked. As I've always said, that's for other people to answer. The one thing I won't ever do is give up on anything because we've had a bad defeat. We've been okay, I believe. We haven't been sensational over the last few weeks, but tonight I have to accept the criticism which will come my way and the fallout from it. We haven't been okay over the last few weeks. We've been shocking. We've won two games in 20. Over the last few weeks, we've won two games in 10. You've, you've actually intentionally, it seems, discounted a defeat against Crystal Palace on three occasions. Um, and, and if you look at the whole of his spell, we've never dominated the game, you know. Like, we beat Bournemouth 4-1, but we didn't, dom we didn't dominate that game. We, we, like, we basically scored with every chance that we had, right? Um, and by, I guess... By Steve saying, I'm not going to give up, he's actually, on many levels, saying, I'm happy with the club getting relegated. That's basically what he's saying, because him, him staying at this club, to me, looks, to me, it guarantees relegation. So wherever he's getting this confidence from, I genuinely can't, I can't, I can't understand. I don't know if anyone else has any thoughts on, on where it comes from. You're muted, Alex. I'm muted. Um, not anymore. And his experience is what I want to talk about. So last time was in the Premier League, relegated with Hull. Last job before that, sacked by Sunderland in fear of relegation by him. Um. So so what experience? You know, and 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 if I go any further back than that, we're going back more than ten years. So in two thousand and eleven, when he was sacked by Sunderland, or two thousand and twelve. Were there managers in 1992 in the Premier League who were like still managing, talking about staying up from the old first division? I don't think so. I can't recall that. So I'm not, I've gone back too far there. Sorry, I've gone back 20 years. But same same thing kind of in terms of the, the, the length that, that Bruce has managed. What does getting relegated with Hull, like how, how, how could he draw a positive that in terms of experience? There aren't any positives to say, well, I got relegated with Hull. 
So what? So I keep us up. Doesn't make any sense. He's talking about 980 games. More than half of them have been outside of the Premier League. So again, what what has that got to do with anything? And and it's frustrating as fans because there's no pushback on this. That you know, if, if I'm an interviewer there, I would just say, right, you talk about your experience. Can you expand on that point, please? But but the the questions never come. Um, and, and the only thing, Charlotte, you made a point a point there in the private chat about about how we've never been sensational under Bruce. You know, we we have not been a good team ever in his in his nearly two year tenure here. Um I'm thinking about last night. The saddest thing about last night is is that is us. I've seen that performance numerous times before. I saw that performance and by that performance I mean a performance where we literally do not run. The players don't really run in the game. When like the likes of Almiron or Fraser or once or twice Joe Linton sprint, it's noticeable because the rest of the players just do they run backwards or they run back to facing towards their own good or they shuffle across the pitch. The players do not run. They don't tackle. They don't press. They don't hurry. They don't make it difficult. And I can think of a number of performances where we could talk about that, but I think the most relevant ones, you know, why why is Bruce... I mean, I don't know if you've gone onto that one. I think you did normally where Bruce said Brighton's tactics surprised us. I don't know how. They play the same way literally every week. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you who else tactics surprised. I'll tell you who else surprised Bruce. Newport County of League Two. That performance last night was the same as the Newport game in League Two. When we played Fulham at home, and Fulham were wrongly put down to 10 men and we still couldn't beat them, similar performance. We played West Brom away, similar performance. When we went to Sheffield United away, similar performance. So that performance, actually, if you want to look at what, you know, people always joke, I joke about it, what, what do they do on the training ground? Well, you have to come to the conclusion that they work towards that kind of performance because that's the performance that we keep seeing over and over again. So you can ignore your Man Cities or your Tottenham's or Wolves or, or whoever you want. Judge Steve Bruce on his performance against his relegation rivals, against the worst teams that he comes up against. And you see the same performance being wheeled out over and over again. So Steve Bruce talks about experience. I would say my experience of him leads me to believe that we're just going to see that performance repeated against Burnley, against Sheffield United, and against Fulham later this season. It'll end in relegation, Si. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I had a scary thought this morning while I was trying to get my head around why Steve Bruce is still employed by Newcastle United and also why Steve Bruce thinks he should still be employed by Newcastle United. Um, when you look at uh, the other teams he's managed, which you mentioned before, um, you know, Hull, Birmingham, Wigan, I think these are, these are he sees Newcastle United as the same as those. And I, I worry that both he, Lee Charlie, Mag Ashley, as well as, um, you know we, know, we know fans of other clubs down south and some members of the media and punditry also see Newcastle United as on a par with those kinds of clubs. Um, and we don't, because I don't, I don't think we are. I think we're a much bigger club than any of those. But in his head, for the same reason, the life of a club like that, as he keeps talking about bottom half, when you're a bottom half club, when you're a bottom half club, the life of a bottom half club like that is that you will survive most seasons and occasionally you'll just have a really unlucky year. And this is what happens. And I think in Bruce's head, and perhaps Ashley's and Charlie's as well, we're just having an unlucky year, and unfortunately, occasionally that leads to relegation. That's the only way I can just understand the logic of all these people about, about Newcastle United right now is that we are, they think that this is all just bad luck and that we're just one of those group of teams that eventually this happens to occasionally. And that's a scary thought. It's terrifying. Yeah, well, West Brom. 
Sorry, Charlotte. I'm quickly just saying that we're, we're basically we're, we're basically West Brom, right? That's that's the deal mm. now. We are we are a yo-yo club. Oh, no, mate, actually, we kind of are becoming. A, we go down this season. It's the third season, right? In however long he's been here, what is it? Um, 2007, 14 years, right? So that that is basically the the the, the kind of way it happens for a yo-yo club. You open, you're doing, you open, you're doing, and that's what happened to West Brom. So we're basically looked at as West Brom. I mean, to us. That is isn't ever going to be the case, right? And this is no disrespect to West Brom, by the way. And I'm talking about the, the pattern as a club since the start of the Premier League. And it's it, it is exactly what you'll see, mate. That's a that's a really, really good point. And just to quickly add Alex's point in terms of um training and how Newcastle play, we've consistently played this passive, non-aggressive, um reactive football from the day that Bruce walked through the door. So then ultimately that 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 is the only thing I can say now is that must be the tactic. So that that must be it. That must be what the tactics are to play like that because it's it's so consistent. But there you can run. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh Charlotte Lee Ryder this morning and Keith Downey, uh, two journalists I think have can be trusted on what the club or Lee Charney or Justin Barnes, however they speak to, um, thinks they report that Steve Bruce is definitely not going to be sacked because of this. How does that make you feel? Um, a mix of things. I saw that this morning. I, I, disbelief is the first one. Like I can't, I cannot believe that that that's even that it's on their radar that Steve Bruce should should stay it's what is it two two wins in 20 is it now that i think would have sacked any manager at any league club anywhere else by now games ago probably um i don't think you would even wait for that 20 game mark and and so i i'm astonished i it i want to say that i'm really surprised but i guess Part of me isn't because because the ownership and the, the sort of running of this club is so terrible and has been, you know, has has outdone itself year on year at being horrible and terrible that I I I guess I'm not surprised. Um and then I also feel as a fan like insulted <laughs> that we're that we're being made to watch this garbage football I really like saying garbage and um with 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 no the football has no plan we've talked about that right the foot there's no there is a plan but it's so rigidly stuck to there's no other um there's no malleability in it there's it's never going to be adapt to what's actually happening on the pitch and then and then there's no plan higher up either it's just it's mirrored in the man the running of the club and I, I just feel insulted. You know, we're not spending our money um, going to games or, or buying merch or whatever at the moment. But we are watching. We're watching it. We're we're in lockdown. We're, we're we're wanting. You know, we're still supporting it. And I just I feel like it's an insult to all the fans. The fans who have been here through this awful regime. I don't know. I just. I don't know. I feel quite sad about it, really, and I've said this for years that I've, I've, I'm not very good at, at staying angry. Um, I know that lots of fans, you know, if you, you just have to glance at Twitter and UFC Twitter at the moment, and you can see there's so much anger. Like, why is he still here? He's terrible, and um, 
and you know it's valid but I'm personally just not very good at staying angry I I just get sad so it it, it does make me really depressed and sad about about the state of my club and 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 also terror because I do I do not want to be in the same league as Sunderland next season oh, why do you have to say that um I'm sorry I, I think we're I, I don't think you're alone, Charlotte. I think there's a there's a huge amount of apathy instead of anger. Uh, I mean, there's, there's always a lot of immediate um, immediately after the game. There's a lot of anger, as you've described. But I think it's 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 descended that apathy for so many people that that we we are almost or the fans are almost adding to the zombie nature of it. And it's it's partly down to the fact that no one's in the stadium, so it's easier to just to just zone out from it. I, I know that's you know I don't spend much of my time during the week now thinking about Newcastle United gets the weekend and you get yourself up for the game and you watch it and you talk about it. And then by Monday, I, I wouldn't want to talk about Newcastle again until the following weekend. Well, thankfully, we've got two weeks this time. Um, in terms of the uh, why, the fact that he's, he's he, as you say, uh, it sounds like he's going to keep his job. I'd like to think that uh, it's possible that there is still a conversation going on between uh, Ashley and Charney. We've got a two-week break now. Um you, you need to start making some calls and see if anyone would fancy this in case we have to do it. Um, and you'd like to think that they, they, they all right, they're not going to press the button right now because they don't have a backup plan. They won't have planned for this. So they won't have anyone lined up and they would need to because there wouldn't be anything worse. And I, I think they probably also know now that Jones won't be the answer. So Sack and Bruce and even Jones in charge won't make a difference. Um, so they need another manager and they won't have anyone lined up. And whilst I think there's plenty that could come and do it, whether or not they believe they can persuade them to is, is a different matter altogether, isn't it? So I'd like to think that maybe at least some some snidey behind Steve Bruce's back conversations are now happening, but but who knows that the more likely thing is that they that they aren't doing anything because they don't believe that they can attract a manager any better than Bruce. So in their heads, what's the point? Uh, which is another staggering, staggering thing to say about people who run a football club, but it, it just seems the most likely, doesn't it? Um, I also think that they as I just mentioned before, they're all kind of on the same page and they're all of a similar level of intelligence when it comes to football and football management and, and running a football club. So I think they they fear somebody um, working for them that gets it more than they do. So they're quite happy with the situation as it is in terms of all three of them just kind of don't really get it and just put it all down to bad luck and they, they all convince themselves that that's the case. Whereas when someone like Benitez came in and explained it all to them in, in words they probably didn't understand, it's they didn't like it, so um, I just I, I'm worried that some of what I've just said there is what's going on, and that there's no actual solution that, that, that we can get to. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in very very quickly. I know Norman wants to talk on this point as well. I did a um, a little Twitter Spaces thing with George and Chris from the Athletic on Friday, and George said, and I hadn't considered this that he thinks there's a reasonable case to be made for the fact that Jones is their contingency plan. And that is literally it, that they're not going to make calls. And, you know, so I, I wish that they were making a few calls to a few other managers, but I hadn't considered that Jones is literally the contingency plan. And, and I, that really freaked me out a little bit because I was like, Oh God, that's, that's awful. He's never, ever, you know, run a Premier League club is is probably you know m maybe give him a chance, but I don't think playing with that at this stage in our season is the right thing to be doing. And 
and I don't want us to be the ones give. Let someone else give them a chance, and we'll have a look at how it goes. But I, I don't know. It really worried me that. Absolutely, I guess. Look, I think the choice ultimately would be right now. Do we feel that Steve Bruce's presence on the training ground amongst those players is having a negative impact on them in the sense that there is a really bad atmosphere and the players are demoralised and they're not playing for him at all? Probably. Therefore, removing him from the training ground, and even though Jones has got nothing to offer in terms of his managerial ability, just the mere fact of removing Bruce from the training ground, would that possibly give the players a boost? And then might you see the senior players in the squad step up ever so slightly um, and, and maybe just force something through between now and the end of the season, enough points on the board to, to stay up, regardless, regardless of Jones. It's, just, it's almost like, okay, Bruce is here, right? He leaves and Jones takes over. Like we won't get any better under Jones, but what I what I mean is we we'll get better naturally because Bruce is no longer there. If you can say say what I mean, um, that might be absolute fantasy. But right now, how I feel is I, I genuinely feel that Steve Bruce's presence at the club is so detrimental that the mere fact of him not being there would be would be better. Um, what I will also say is, look. Right now, there's a two-week international break. We all know every single football fan, right, who has a modicum of brain matter understands that right now, if we got rid of Steve Bruce today, if we went out and brought someone in, and I'm not talking any of the managers that people have been through and run, I'm talking, honestly, I'm talking about someone like Kenny Jacket, for God's sake, right? If you basically bring someone in between, right now, to give them, to give them two weeks, two weeks before the next game to work with the players, right? You know, obviously, someone like, as we said before, Marcus Silva, Eddie Hill, Chris Weller, etc. Give them two full weeks. Unlike Rafa, who came in on, on a day and had Leicester that very same day, more or less, they who won, who won the league, right? Give them the two weeks. This is this is make, this makes sense, doesn't it? But we know Newcastle don't do things like that because Newcastle replaced Rafa Benitez with Steve Bruce, diametrically opposed. And also Newcastle United, under Mike Ashley, appointed Joe Kinnear as manager when they won a relegation battle. Nothing this club does under Mike Ashley makes any sense. And the only conclusion I can come to is that Charnley and Ashley literally don't care if we get relegated because they just think, well, we're a yo-yo club. We'll come back up. That's the only thing I can think now because the decision-making is a madness. Kenny Jack, it's a great shout. Um, just in terms of how funny it is. Um, you know, I'm really pleased you talked about that, Norman. And, and I, I agree with you that I mean, I think Jones's formation is like going to relegate us. That's how bad it is, and it's uh, the fact it ostracizes so many of your key players in, in a team, like strikers in general. Um, but but I also think that there's there's such disharmony in the squad. I don't nothing about this, so I have no inside information here. But I'll tell you what I think. I think the long staffs hate Bruce. I think their their treatment has been a disgrace. I think that they're most likely to be popular in the dressing room as local lads who work hard and get the club and, and and done tremendously well for Newcastle when called upon, in my opinion. I think they get a really hard time off some fans. It's dead weird, amongst other things. Um, I think I think if you look at Newcastle's bench last night uh, of outfield players, the, the funny thing is what I'm going to say here, I'd say that every single one of those players, you could argue, should have been starting. I'd say Federico Fernandez is one of the, if not our best centre-back. I'd say Jacob Murphy's performances when he's been brought on before last night certainly has achieved more than, than Joe Linton and even possibly Ryan Fraser uh, in the time, you know, in the kind of 50-minute spells he had against Wolves and um, Aston Villa. He wasn't even brought on against West Brom. Um, he could have started. I'd say Sean Longstaff should start. 
um, ahead of any number of the midfield players. Um, I think Marty Longstaff, who wasn't on the bench, could start. I think Dwight Gale, Annie Cow should be playing up front in a 4-4-2 um, for this formation. And, and the only player he did actually bring on <laughs> was the one I wouldn't start of all them, which is Jeff Hendrick. So it's not like, this is this support to your point, it's not like when Rafa Benitez came in, he had to play Vernon Benitez at right back and Jack Colback at left back. Uh, and Mitrovic, it's not. It's not like there's this injury ravaged squad that is. You know, you you're pulling players from all over the place. There's there's a strength in depth there that other teams in this relegation battle simply don't have. They do not have the resources. Steve Bruce has. Newcastle have got a deep squad. Um, and 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 if you add into the fact that even against you know when um, Almiron and St Maximin were injured originally, there's a genuine conversation about who plays. The sad thing for us is Steve Bruce decided to go with with, with Joe Linton, which I think is is still you know Joe Linton has one. What's he? What's his rate? Is it less than one one in thirty in terms of his goals to to games ratio in the Premier League? Um, was it three? Is it three and sixty? Or so? so one in twenty. You know, it's 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 simply you are simply not going to score a goal, or or you're not going to score a goal from a forward player. That's a choice Bruce makes. It's a choice. So by removing Bruce from that, and again, there's no guarantees that Jones doesn't make that choice. We don't know the influence he has on team selection. But I think, back to my point, the long staffs, Carl Darlow doesn't like him. We know Matt Ritchie doesn't like him. I don't think Andy Carroll likes him anymore. I don't think Dwight Gale likes him. Um, I, I don't think most of the players like him. So if you just just by removing Bruce from that situation, we've said it before, you might get a Graham Sooner situation where when Sooner's left, because he was so reviled by the most, of, not all, but most of the playing squad, you just saw this instant lift amongst the players and amongst the mood. And I think, I think, and you know, I'd, I'd forgot about Matt Ritchie. You could argue Matt Ritchie playing last night. I mean, could could he do any worse than, than anyone else there? So just by removing Bruce, I think you're going to see an improvement. I'm desperate to see another manager like the names you mentioned there. I put out on Twitter last night like a, a little joke just to try and you know. Lighten the moods. I said, give it sure till the end of the season. Most people got it. Got a lot of furious people saying, sure, I'm going to be Just a little joke based on that Man United fan about Moyes and Giggs back in 2013. Um, but but I'm only half joking because if Shola was to come in and say, fuck this formation off, lads, um, I'd be like, yes, we, we might have a chance of winning a game. Who who are we going to beat? And, and to finish off this point, um, Norman, you mentioned earlier that we're through the looking glass. I feel like through this run of games, we've, I have said and fans have thought, well, if we don't win, like if we couldn't beat Wolves, who are you going to beat? If you can't go to West Brom, who are you going to beat? If you couldn't beat Brighton, who are you going to beat? That leads you to the conclusions that you just said there, Norman, where they know we're not going to beat anyone just because, because. What what are they waiting for? What could possibly go right? What could go right from here on in? What do they think is going to happen? And I know this is a very particular thing to talk about, but the substitution of Jeff Hendrick last night for Isaac Hayden, like, what was that supposed to look like? What what did they think in their heads was going to happen in that game with the introduction of Jeff Hendrick? What was going to be different? What was going to be better? And it just seems like it's a club on the abyss. And this is the this is the scary thing. We get relegated. There is no way we're coming back on a Mike Ashley. It, it, it is it's it's a Herculean task to turn a club round in the summer. Um, normally, when a team gets relegated, because 
they're used to losing. Losing doesn't hurt Bruce. I've, I've heard comments about he must be under tremendous stress. Doesn't look like a bloke that's stressed out after the game. Doesn't look angry after defeats. You know, to go back to some of the comments that he made makes post match, um, saying that we were caught out, saying that he's been around the block, saying that he never gives up, even though that he, even though he has resigned from Sheffield United, Wigan, Crystal Palace, Hull, and Sheffield Wednesday, he never walks away. Never walks away. It's not. It's not. It's not me. He never him. He never walks away. <laughs> um, Charlotte's made some good points in the chat there that he, he almost seems chipper and chir- chirpy. He has a laugh with the managers after the game. He seems more than content with life at Newcastle United, and that's the scary thing. Uh, not not me, though. I'm not content with life at Newcastle United at the minute or watching it. I don't know if I've uh, gone on a little bit there, but is, are there <laughs> any other points, guys? Do you want to come in on that, side? Not for me. I like it. <laughs> office fans. That's all I've got in office gag. Sorry. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's the right note to end it on. We're not content and it's not good enough. Spot on. Couldn't agree more. All right. Well, if you want to hear more of this kind of thing, you can catch us on Patreon. Uh, three to four extra podcasts a week. Hopefully we'll have Keith Gillespie this week uh, talking to us about all things Newcastle United. We're going to have Norman on Prem Patter, as usual, doing a Premier League roundup um, and much, much more. If you're watching this on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to the channel. If you're listening as a podcast, we're grateful. Thanks to Charlotte, Cy, Norman. Catch you all very soon. When's the next game? Two weeks' time. Uh, Spurs, we'll speak to you after that on the free podcast for True Faith. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.